Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Conscious Design Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Shahira, a fashion designer and maker. She makes custom wool and leather outerwear. And we're here to talk about fashion and a lot of things around it. So welcome to the show. Really good to have you. Thank you so much, Ian. Well, we were just chatting a little bit about the topics. And, and the first thing that I think we really want to talk about is, you know, we all have this need, right? This, this pretty strong need to buy beautiful things, get things, have wonderful clothing to wear. Uh, but even now, you know, consumers and, and, you know, we were just talking about, we, we need to think about how do we go about that process, right? How do we go about buying? How do we go about making how do we how do we think about it and and the ways that we should start thinking about changing how to even think about this and you know what are what are your thoughts on you know what can what can we do what what do you see as as a good ideas to move forward with yeah thanks um i think that you know, the efforts so far, I mean, they're certainly on the right track. Uh, the way that we're trying to rethink production processes, um, the way that we're trying to rethink raw materials, I think the most, um, the most consideration has been given to materials, uh, what raw materials are we using and where are they coming from? And then people are also looking at processes too. Um, but I don't think that these go deep enough. Uh, and in fact, I'd have to say that I think they're, they're a bit of a distraction uh, because we don't want to look at some of the deeper issues. Um, <clears throat> labor, first of all, it, it doesn't get nearly as much attention as materials or processes and this is at least regarding clothing production in the mainstream and particularly with fast fashion uh, it is non-white labor uh, and almost and by a large majority it is women some people say it's 70 percent of the labor force for fashion is women some people say it's 80 or even even 90 percent um, so, you know, that uh, all of those socio-political issues come into play. And then, um, but beyond, beneath labor is um, our, this uh, kind of death spiral between our, our conditioning to keep buying more and more stuff and then the continued processing of more and more stuff. Um, it was 80 billion garments per year that I remember researching maybe 10 years ago. And I think we're up to 120 billion garments per year get pumped into the market. And, you know, we are driving that. Uh, consumers drive that, I think, much more than we realize. So I would like to look at the psychology just as much as materials or production or even labor. Yeah. Right. 
Well, that's and that's a crazy number, <laughs> right? Where there's not there's not that many of us yeah. on the planet. So How many garments per person is that um, divided by? Not is it eight billion people? Even if we round it to eight, it's like oh, a lot. It's too yeah. many. <laughs> it's like yeah. 15, 15 pieces per person per year. Yeah. On the planet, and you know that there's countries that aren't, aren't buying fifteen pieces of right. new clothing a year per right. person. Period. Um, yeah. Um, so it kind of skews even even worse. It's probably you know the markets that actually buy it's even more per person, which is a lot per year. And you know one of the things we we talked about was like we have this this need, right? Part of it is, is this drive, the psychology is, you know, we want to have what other people have. We don't, we want to fit in, we want to match. And there's also the, the beauty part. We, we find things that we like and we, we have, you know, basically a kind of reaction of like, oh, I should buy that. I need to buy that. Even if it's something, and I've known people that have bought clothing and never worn. <laughs> <laughs> right so it sits there un, unused but you know it's it's so there's I think there's a lot of layers to it right there's a lot of of needs that we think we're fulfilling by purchasing lots of clothing um, and we do it to other products too this isn't just a <laughs> pick on fashion um, no but it's, mm -hmm. but it's it is such an interesting you know Thing because we do want beautiful things and like like you you're you're a maker you 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 actually love making things so we also have you know that population of people who love to make the stuff right mm -hmm. and so oh how do how do you think that w there's a good way to balance that because right we don't want to stifle creativity and say no sorry you can't make clothing anymore we have too many uh clothing makers now you have to pick a different career. Like that's not, that's not the solution either. Right. Do it. So, you know, what's, I guess, are there any ideas on how, how do we go about thinking this, this through in a way? And I know you mentioned like longevity, like how long you use a piece of clothing. Um, and what else could we be thinking about to make it so we keep, keep that balance <laughs> between makers and and users and you know there's mass production too which is a whole nother level um <clears throat> well it's it's simple but it's not easy uh i think that really what it requires is is rethinking what's considered good business and what's considered good economics and accepting that um, scaling is not always what you want to shoot for, that, that this assumption that if you can't scale a business, then you, you really shouldn't bother, then you're going to always be limited on the amount of money you can make, I think. Um, it, maybe it does come down to ideas of that there are only certain ways to to make unlimited amounts of money and that currently the best the thinking is the, the best way to do that is to 
try to make, you know, as many units as you can at lower and lower prices so that you can squeeze the largest profit margin you can off of every unit. You know, you could price, you're trying to price it as high as possible and that every year you want to get your costs down and you want to try to sell more or maybe increase your price. And that this, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what good business is. And you want to edge out your competition. You know, you, you want to like to try to get as close to a monopoly as you can on the market that on the product, whatever you sell. And I think it means rethinking that um, because it, at least, at least in terms of finding more of a balance between what the ecology of the planet can sustain. But again, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to this. It's going to keep coming down to what we think is necessary, how many objects we think are necessary to, to feel successful. So to decouple this idea uh, from of uh, um, acquiring a certain amount of stuff or certain items with success. Uh, so we have to decouple um, consumption from success and we have to decouple um, living a good life from absolute unlimited wealth in the economy that we've currently developed. Um, you know, I, I want to, what I make, I make a custom garment. Uh, so my intention is that I, I make one garment for one individual. And my intention is that you use it for the rest of your life. I want to find something essential about you. I want to find an unchanging quality about you and pull that out you as my client and find a visual representation of that so that you are inspired to wear it all the time. I want you to sleep in it. I want you to shower in it. I want you to have sex in it, right? I want your children to fight over it when you die. Uh, and I guarantee the garment for life too. So if you have any problems, I will fix it for free. Uh, so that um, yeah, that you that you will want to wear it and that you'll want to pass it down. And so now the idea is now I'm not going to sell something like this to you every few months. Uh, I'm maybe not every year. It might be a once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime thing. So I'm only only going to make so many. And um, I now I'm, I'm okay with that. And some people might think, well, now you're limiting your ability to earn. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case, you know, the, the better I get at it, the more I'll start charging. Um, and, or um, there are other ways to go deeper into what I care about. Um, and so it's more about depth than breadth, like this, this issue with psychology, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to find um, psychologists who are also focusing on sustainable issues and helping people reconcile the two, reconcile these, this issue of consumption with the issue of happiness. You know, I can always go deeper into that in some way. So um, yeah, Ian, I think, I think it's about, um, finding new economic models. And um, there's a great book by Kate Rayworth called Donut Economics that 
sort of out outlines the idea of shifting economic models. Um, that's one of the one of the resources I draw on. And there's also a book called um, "The Day the World Stops Shopping" by J.B. McKinnon, which is um, which tries to envision a different economy. So um, yeah, you know this. Uh, this is why we're all dragging our feet, I think, is because it's not just about the product itself and how it comes about. Yeah. Well, I think you had a, you brought up an interesting point in like what you make, you want to last for generations, essentially, right? right. You're, you're right. trying to create that. And that's a, that's a different kind of mindset, right? Then. Mm -hmm what we have now, which is, oh, I want to look at now and I'm going to replace it in six months or after one time I use it, <laughs> it's going to go away. And there's less, um, there's less of a generational wealth mentality in general. Like there's not as much thinking about, well, I'm doing what I'm doing, not just for me, but because it's mm -hmm. going to set up my kids. And my grand, there's less of that long-term stair-stepping of growing the family's wealth and the family's survivability, right? If we're talking about psychology behind it, like the success where we've, we've shortened that focus to what about me? And eh, I'm not, I'm not going to have as much retirement. I'm not going to focus on having that anything left over i want just enough money to retire on and run out when i'm when i'm dead right it's just right. not not thinking of oh i'm buying this and this is going to be passed down for generations we just don't have that kind of mindset i see it in how people start businesses and you, like what you mentioned is very scaling like well how do i scale this how do i make it huge and sell it mm -hmm. nobody want like there's there's mm -hmm. I don't want to say nobody, but there's even fewer people who want to start businesses to pass down or last. So like the family business that's been around for 80 years is just not the model that we think about most of the time. It's how do I turn that turn this around really quick, make make myself and investors a bunch of money and then bail out and be done. Right. And that's so it's just so it's I, I think it's connected, right? It's it's showing up in multiple mm. places, and it's interesting that you're bringing it up from a a fashion standpoint. But it it is just kind of bleeding over the short term focus. Basically, is kind of what what I think is part of <laughs> part of what we're doing for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know the psychology behind it, but I, it's it's short term short term planning. Is our is our focus? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a really good point. I, I I don't I wonder if it's linked to the the uncertainty increase uncertainty economic uncertainty we feel um, that we just that it, that it's it's it feels smarter to think short term because you never know or or what exactly. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Right. I, you mentioned something else is in, in thinking about clothing earlier is 
how often are you going to use it and how and you even mentioned that with your league you want people to wear it daily and appear 24 7 that's yeah. that's the goal is they, they should love it that much mm-hmm. um and there's obviously there's people who who aren't going to do that they're going to have want to wear different things uh, but how mm-hmm. like how do we how do we balance that too you know you don't want to wear the same thing every day uh all the time but we also don't want to have those one time buy it maybe wear it and then not even not do anything <laughs> anything right. after that right. so i what do you think is that where how do we start to think about balancing that out and yeah. what mm. makes mm-hmm. what might make sense from your perspective yeah, this is another reason um, sustainability has a little trouble catching on. I think it's because it looks different for every person. Um, yeah. Right. Um, and sustainability. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it means different things to different people. And and when it, at least when it comes to clothes, um, <clears throat> I I I'm going to be somebody who. I'm probably not going to tell you, okay, you need like to get through a year in your particular climate, you need this many shirts and you need this many pants and you need these kinds of shoes and here are numbers and here are types and you'll be all set, you know? Um, and I mean, you, you can, you can prescribe it a little bit and, you know, there are a lot of great content creators out there who are trying to do just that, trying to help people. Like if, if somebody doesn't have a clue where to start, um, you, you might need that sort, some sort of guideline about right, how some, much some target to aim at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At least to start. Um, how much? Uh, how many? And and what should you look for? And what? Should you, how should you expect them to perform? And how long? Um, and and there are you know all over YouTube, and there are plenty of books. Um, you can you can look for that, but. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, it really comes down to knowing yourself. Um, you know, the, the way, just to try to answer your question more shortly, the way I've attacked this problem is to go for outerwear because instead of some other garment, um, like a sweater or a pair of jeans, um, I make outerwear because, because it is intended to last. And, you know, it's made of heavier materials. It's made in a, um, to be very sturdy and to stand up to long wear. And people don't tend to change out their clothes or their coats as much as a t-shirt, you know? So that, that's been, that's my approach is to go for coats. Um, but in terms of, you know, what people, how people should balance, you know, their needs with their wants, it, it's, it really does come down to self-knowledge and honoring, honoring who you truly are and honoring your lifestyle and try and through trial and error, figuring out um, what is going to serve you through most of the hours of your day, you know, through the climate you live in, through your your needs and your family's needs, you know, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, 
So, and that's why people like me are around is to try to help you figure that out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm afraid there's no one size fits all. Yeah. It never is. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always a balance. And, and like you said, there's lots of resources to give a general target. Yeah. But then it it is that figuring out what actually works for you, <laughs> which which yeah. people, that's where people will often get hung up too. It's like, oh, well, I have to figure out what what works for me. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a whole process. And yeah. I think we kind of need to get over that, right? We need to get get to the place where like, no, I really do need to figure out what is best for me rather than being told what is best yes (laughs) right I mean that that one's easier but but we're supposed to grow out of that stage (laughs) one at some point um Mm -hmm. and start really thinking about what what is going to be best what's what's going to be a good fit like you said like where you live climate there's there's so many variabilities right your your job you're going to have certain requirements for that so there's there's all, all kinds of requirements for it. Um, and I think we just don't sit down and think about it logically. We just don't break down like, this is what I actually need for, okay, what, what are the requirements, right? Nobody, nobody sits down and scopes out, you know, exactly like these are all my requirements for my clothes, the different, and then no, no, nobody's like creating a data matrix to like try to figure <laughs> out what, 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 what are the, what are the 15 things I need to, perfectly meet all my requirements because it's just not it's not uh natural <laughs> i think right. at, at this point but mm-hmm. I, I don't think we need to go that crazy right nobody no, everybody doesn't know. need a spreadsheet Man. let's not do that i i don't know you're giving me a great idea i think if or i maybe maybe you can make a quiz I'm gonna make one up <laughs> yeah no that's great ian thank you thank you i'm gonna i'm gonna take that idea if that's okay with you go for it I, yeah, if, if you can make it user friendly, because there's lots of right. people who hate Excel, so right. We, right. <laughs> we don't we don't actually want nobody wants to actually do that really well. I would do it, but I I enjoy that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of yeah, that'd be great. No, you're right. We don't want to add to the intimidation. Um, we no, we need to make it user easy. friendly. It has it has to be it has to be natural. It has to be easy. It has to you know, it could be a little bit harder than the alternative, but it can't be too much. It can't be a giant scary step. It has to be like a nice little, a little half step. And then nobody can really argue because it's, because it's easy. (laughs) Right. You have to make it easy to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh no, that's excellent. Um, well, and it's the difficulties to for for going through that process like you're saying I think the largely the reasons it is so difficult is because you have not you're going to have to change your your daily habits and what does that mean for how you're showing up in your life um, and this is where the psychology and honestly, I, I, I would go so far as to say there are issues here that are similar to addiction, um, that they, we are addiction, addicted to shopping. Oh, shopaholics. That's, I mean, we're all, we all pretty, we talked about it. 
yeah it's, yeah it's we known. get little dopamine the dopamine is it the dopamine that comes with the anticipation and the serotonin that gets squirted when we make the purchase um is some, something like that there is definitely a brain chemical cycle when we make purchases and so you like any other addiction you need support to to change and shift out of it you need to be around people who are supporting you uh, changing going through this process you need to expect that you're going to relapse you know <laughs> you're going to need to expect you're going to binge once in a while <clears throat> excuse me and you're going to fall off the wagon um so uh yeah it's it is a process and and like you said um you have to get to a point where you're going to accept that you need to go through it and yeah it's difficult right well and so, <laughs> something you, you also mentioned like the shame right there's there's <laughs> That, that's a huge driver for us, right? Avoiding avoiding it, right? Not, not running towards it, but avoiding it. And there's a lot of stigmas, and especially in the fashion, right? There's a very clear uh, chain, of, chain of top to bottom in terms of what is good fashion, <laughs> what is what is uh, acceptable to wear, what is what is okay, what is what is not. And there's uh, you know, there's entire stores, right, built built off of it, and it's, you know, I don't, I don't think it's evil to have high fashion or or really good, you know, I'm not trying to get rid of fancy things, but there's there's also, like, well, what's realistic for any regular occasion or regular, you know, what and what is regular, what, all right, so like that, I mean, there's there's that too, so, you know, what. And you talked about that. So what's your, what are your thoughts on that? And how do we, how do we help? Cause that's a huge, huge, obviously uh, driver of human behaviors, anti-shame. We don't, we don't want to be ostracized, right? It's sort of survival as you were saying. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a little bit heartbreaking for me actually to see, you know, the fashion industry is, has come to undermine itself by becoming more and more superficial and and more and more commercialized and and then it's of all the design disciplines it's the most bitchy backstabby um non um non-collaborative you know uh, people don't help each other in fashion in in the way that they might in in that way that I've seen in like graphic design or web design, you know, um, they don't really come together to help each other. They, and to, well, yeah, they, they come together to compete instead. Um, and, and this intense competition is partly what has driven the ugliness of how Thing, fashion textiles and garments get produced because people people in in the in the production chain in the value chain and, and the brand retailers themselves they get extremely proprietary about um 
either fabric uh, technology, you know, fabric development or uh, particular factories that will make particular garments at a particular price. And so um, the processes have become very opaque and this this lack of transparency um, because nobody wants to share about where they get their stuff. This has driven the, um, the exploitation of labor because factories now, more and more pressure is put on factories to produce more garments. And if, well, again, we went from 80 billion to 120 billion in about 10 years. Um, the, if the factory can't meet you know, the demands of the brand, then they will subcontract out to, to God knows who and God knows where. Um, and it's, it's these subcontracting out that, that gets more and more exploitative, you know, and, and the brand retailer is less and less aware of who's actually making their garments. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's maybe at the lower end. Uh, on the luxury end, um, uh, yeah, you know, these, the luxury brands, they, they used to really mean something. And, and to some extent, they still kind of do, you know, working in, in handcrafting, in couture, in, in the way that I like to work, where I spend 150 hours on one garment, maybe. Um, you know, that sort of thing used to be, used to me, be what a, a luxury brand meant. And, um, and there is still the haute couture line of, of, a, of a brand like Chanel. Um, but there's also the mass produced side and, um, uh, in, in terms of, you, you know, the arbiters of fashion, um, dictating what you should be wearing, um, you know, that, that has, that still holds true to some extent, uh, and you've got all kinds of influencers, you know, now on all different levels because of social media. Um, and you still have, you very much have people telling you what you should be wearing and brands telling you that you should be wearing them and have particular cachet. And we all feel the pressure to wear these brands. Um, <clears throat> but I guess my point is more and more this, the, the hype and the pressure is more and more manufactured. Um, again, I, I can't, I can only think the best solution is to figure out how to step around all of this. You have to figure out how not to care anymore. You have to decide, you know, I'm, I'm just, this time I'm not gonna buy a particular brand of athletic shoes. You know, I mean, you can maybe think of the brand I'm thinking of. Um, I'm right. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to do it this time. And yeah, now what's that going to mean in terms of what my friends think of me? And, you know, what I, can, I don't have a, these new great kicks to put on the Instagram. Um, it, it just, it keeps coming down in my mind to that issue. You have to not care anymore. You have to decide what's most important to you in terms of how you want to express yourself and and 
um, be positive about it in in that way. Um, be you you have to become the lighthouse. You have to become the beacon for your own circle. Um, I, I really, Leanne, I think that's really the only way out is for each person to do that. Yeah. Now, it, it's true. Granted, you know, I want to go farther than most people want to. I want everybody to be sort of this grand gypsy artist that does wear the same clothes almost every day, really, and like wears their life on their body and everything they've collected through the life they've been living and sort of their their appearance becomes a work of art. Um, that's like my my fantasy, and that's expecting too much, I, I think probably. But I think um, that's a that's a far leap. But yeah. <laughs> there's also people who I think would also love to do that. Do you think so, so? You know, maybe maybe if enough people do, it becomes acceptable for that to be normal for some people, right? I mean, I think, and I think that's part of it too. Is is um, allowing different normals to coexist which is kind of what we're going through on many other levels in many many other areas right Right. of normal for me is not normal for you which is not normal for any of our neighbors right (laughs) it's like it's it's right right It's, it's going back to what you're saying of like this needs to be you have to think about it yourself what's what's a good fit for you Mm. not someone else and then be okay with it so it's yeah help so many areas right (laughs) so many we we could help each other though we could help each other make it okay to wear the same clothes more often we could help each other make it okay to not buy the latest thing every year or every six months or however often I mean, we need to help each other feel more comfortable sending different social cues um, because nothing's going to change. If we, as long as we keep buying what's shoved under our noses, n- nothing's going to change. Um, so we, we need to help support each other in making those changes, um, I think, instead right. of trying to, f- we, you know, we, I think we feel, we feel isolated and alone and perhaps more alienated and less connected than ever, somewhat ironically. Um, and yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, it's, yeah, and I think, I think the other thing that people, scares people, and I, even talking to people about, you know, and developing a new product and talking about sustainability uh, on the material side, uh, a lot of people just get scared because it's a lot. So I think it's also the, not to slow it down, right? We don't want to slow it, slow change down to the point where it takes a thousand years to to improve this. But there's also the reality of like, it's okay to start taking baby steps because like, you you aren't born and you start running the next day, right? It's still, it's, it's still a process. So it's okay for there to be a process as long as there's progress and it's as much progress as you possibly can within reason right I think that's that's the other secret is like don't don't try to do too much at once because you won't do any of it really well and it'll just be frustrating and (laughs) you'll end up quitting right it's just overwhelmed you'll get overwhelmed and you won't be able to do it and you'll you'll stop and then 
that benefits no one, including yourself. Right. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think that it, it's so hard to believe that one person, my, my one little daily action is really going to matter. Like, is that even going to be a drop in the bucket? I, I Yeah, I, I think so too. I think people kind of, they, they get frustrated and overwhelmed and they throw up their hands because they don't think what they're going, what they might do, the baby steps they might take are really going to matter. But they do, they really do matter. You're, you know, you and I, each of us are making history every single day. Uh, you don't have to be famous or wealthy to make history. Um, right. Your, your one life really does matter that much and how you live it really matters. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think this loops back to our, our conversation about longevity and, and family and like that, well, legacy, right? It's, well, if, you, if you're doing it and you get it to a certain point and then your kid takes over and then like, you're, you're always, if you think of it generationally, then, you're, then it's not a waste. Whatever your little steps are, it's not actually a waste because it's going to set up the next better than you started. And that's mm-hmm. just as important too, right? There's, yeah. and it's kind of this, I think it's also this, this idea that we all need to finish everything ourselves, mm-hmm. right? It used to take, oh, pyramids weren't built in a day, neither, neither were most other other huge structures right people were okay with uh, you know giant structures taking hundreds of years to construct obviously they were not going to live you know the architect was never going to see right that structure right. finished ever like not yeah. possible not right. possible at the fastest they could work they were not going to see it happen but their great grandkids were and that like that same kind of idea of like what you're building is is long-term and thinking beyond your own existence, which if we had, we probably wouldn't be where we're at <laughs> realistically. So I think that kind of, that's that's the kind of thinking that's going to change. And probably out of that is what we'll, we'll come up with some uh, better, you know, as, as I think that's kind of the thought behind things like circular economy and and those kinds of concepts are coming from a, well, how do we make it better for you know four generations from now? How do we mm-hmm. make it not terrible for them? Right. <laughs> and that's that kind of thinking is is uh, different, right? It's, it's way different than what most of us are come come in thinking and, and grow up thinking, because um, it hasn't been it hasn't been what we've been <laughs> what any of us have been really doing, or not enough of us. No, um, not only have we been convinced more is better, we've been convinced faster is better too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, more faster. Yeah, and that's it's, it's good in some cases, but not it's not a, a blanket. Everything is good, better, and faster, faster and more. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not a. <laughs> it can't be a blanket statement. Yeah. No, I think that's really important. Um, bringing the shift or shifting the the uh, the understanding of how valuable something is not just to me or my generation but to 
those who come after, which like you're saying, it's hardly a new idea. Um, That's just a forgotten one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, I, I have that ego too. I, you know, I want to see the culmination of my efforts in my own lifetime. But I, I have come to accept, in fact, I accepted it maybe 10 years ago, that I, I won't see the sort of changes regarding sustainability, probably not in my lifetime, that I would like to see. Um, and and that's, that's okay. That's okay. Because I do feel like I'm beating my head against a brick wall trying to help people under, see things the way I see them or to help them believe in their own power to shape their own lives and the lives of their community and, and even the world. Um, and I, I might not get through to as many people as I'd like, but, but that's okay. But I also really like, you know, you, you keep bringing up the generational consideration. I think that really dovetails too with the, the increase in the attention to localism again, especially after COVID. I mean, COVID really changed. It helped people shift their values quite a bit. Yeah, it was a, it was a major push. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was, um, it was hard, but um, it, there were some silver linings to it. And I think that's one of them is, you know, to save all these local businesses that were dying, people had to remember um, their own community and um, hopefully that can, we can capitalize on this renewed consideration and uh, build things, not just for ourselves, but those who come after us, yeah. I agree, that's, that's true. Well, it's been, it's been great chatting with you. I think we've, we've managed to come full circle here <laughs> with, with everything, which is, always always great when we can do that uh for anybody that that wants to work with you or or talk to you about this kind of stuff you know where where and how would people get a hold of you best yeah um you can always email me at i i will need to spell it out it's s at s h a h i r a k a m a l Dot com that's s at shahirakamal.com or you can always find me on linkedin that's a great way too Perfect. Um, yeah we'll make sure your those are links are in the notes and people can get a hold of you and also there's be some more conversations about this because we need we need them we need yeah we need to think about it right <laughs> nothing will happen unless we talk about it right yeah i, I hope so too i've really enjoyed this ian and i hope that we keep talking. Absolutely. You and I specifically too. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for being on the show. Okay. Thank you so much.